We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And hopefully my voice is somewhat bearable, like above the status quo bearable. You're talking, you know, I know you're listening to a guy that sounds like some sort of weird mix of Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog and Patrick Mahomes. but you know, and then a, a you know a slight cold comes along. The temperature in Fresno's dropped like like fifteen to twenty degrees in, in the last like two or three days, which is incredible. You know, especially coming from a football coach, I, I thoroughly enjoy being out at practice when it's a high of seventy degrees versus a high of ninety five. But I think rapid temperature change like that tends to throw people's bodies out of whack. There's probably some si- solid science to back that up because. I can hear the sniffles and the, the little coughs in my classroom among my students, which, A, it's a classroom. That's how it works. And you can hear it out on the football field from our players. Like when we brought every everybody in at the end of the practice, you could just hear this, like just this slight little, just, just little sniffs here and there, which is, uh, I think, pretty common for this time of year. Um, hopefully, they end up all being you know, common colds, regular colds. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, the the prevalence of COVID has dipped a little bit. And, and I say that coming from a teacher's perspective. You know, you constantly see when kids have been tested and tested positive. And I've gotten a lot less of those notifications. Now, maybe they're just not testing. Anyways, we are way off track here. Um, a little bit, a little bit stuffy, a little bit coldy, I guess you could say. So hopefully, again, Hopefully my voice is bearable and hopefully getting back on track. Hopefully the 49ers are going to find a way to bounce back. <laughs> you know, not much of a segue, but I mean, that's, I, I feel like that's been the whole week. It's, it's a weird thing. 
one of the things I really love about doing this podcast is I feel less of a need to say shit on Twitter because I come on here multiple times a week and say it on here. So my as as my presence on this podcast has ramped up, my my vocalness on Twitter has gone down. And I'm pretty much at a point where if anybody asks me how I feel about something, I'm like, yeah, just listen to the pod. I say it all on there. But this has been a weird week on 49ers Twitter because I feel like everybody is just like, it hasn't been as dramatic as I thought it would be. And I think a large part of that has to do with the fact the 49ers got their ass kicked by the Chiefs, which if they had gotten their ass kicked by about 27 other NFL teams, it would be push the panic button. But I think a lot of people know that, okay, I'm going to calm down. It was the Chiefs. It may not be all that bad. And I've kind of picked up on that on Twitter. It's kind of just seemed like a very, very uh, lack of uh, a week that's been lacking in drama, which after the 49ers got worked over how they did against the Chiefs, that's not exactly what I would expect from this fan base. But I think everybody knows that, okay, we lost the Chiefs. It was uh, it was a little bit of a fourth quarter ass kicking. Is kind of the way I've decided to label it, given the 49ers were down by five going into the fourth quarter. But everybody knows that the 49ers got embarrassed against the Chiefs, especially in the fourth quarter. And no matter what, I think the defense feels embarrassed. You're talking about a Chiefs offense that scored on every drive but one, which was essentially a missed field goal. I'm not going to count the punt at the end of the game because that was that was with the backup quarterback. The Chiefs drives – well, excuse me. I need to walk this back. The very first drive was an interception. And then every drive after that, it went touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then they punted when the other quarterback was in there. So the offense in the fourth quarter found a way to look inept again. You've got another safety. You've got a fumble and an interception to close out the game. Now, the interception was thrown by Brock Purdy, but who cares? It was a beautiful summary of kind of how the offense looked for most of the game. They had spurts of, of aptitude, you know, a touchdown field goal, um, and then a touchdown to open the second half. But for the most part, the offense was exactly what we've come to expect. Inconsistent, just along, same as Jimmy Garoppolo, just inconsistent, inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. You'll have a negative one-yard drive. You'll have a seven-yard drive, and then you'll have a 48-yard drive, and then you'll have a 75-yard drive, and then you'll have, like, it's just all over the place. But on the defensive side, they know they got thoroughly embarrassed. The defense got throttled. And may again, maybe this would be time for the panic button had it not been the Chiefs. Now, uh, overarching point being, if we expect the 49ers to make any noise in the playoffs, you can't get throttled like that against the Chiefs. You know, you, if you're going to fancy yourself a playoff team, which we'll get more on that, uh, we'll hit more on that in a little bit, you can't just get destroyed, you know, like that. You can't get embarrassed like that if you want to make people believe that you are who you say you are. Now, maybe the say you are part of things has been coming mostly from the fan base. But, I mean, even at the beginning of the year, the 49ers players were – they knew in the building that the expectation was Super Bowl. And every team can say that all they want, but there are teams out there that genuinely believe it. And I believe the 49ers were one of those teams at the start of the year. So, 
an ass whipping like they got from the Chiefs is tough to swallow from a team that fancies themselves uh, a playoff capable team. So how do they bounce back? What do they do? You know, I think that whether it's the fan base or whether it's this team, you have to first by start realizing that the sky is not falling. Okay, so you got worked over pretty bad by the Chiefs. Mistakes were made. You know, you gave up some massive plays on third and longs, and you do, you turn the ball over. You had failed. You know, it seems like with maybe three or four corrections in what went wrong, that was at the very least a much closer game between the. Now that shoulda, coulda, woulda. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. But I think that there's a way of looking at that 49ers Chiefs game that alleviates a lot of the panic from the result. I think if the 49ers had gotten just a couple of those third and longs and sent the Chiefs off the field, that might have been a one-score game. You know, maybe the Chiefs won 30 to 23. You know, it's just stuff like that happens. And I think that's how defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, head coach Kyle Shanahan, uh, probably the defensive leaders on the team. I think that's probably their talking point throughout the week. Look, that sucked. We can't do that again, but here's how we easily fix it. And that is a huge part of finding a way to bounce back is identifying what exactly went wrong, coming to terms with how easy it is to fix or how easy it it, it won't be to fix. And, oh, mom's calling me. Let me uh, at least mute it. How do I mute it? Did that mute it? Nope, still ringing on my wrist. All right, sorry, Mom. I'm I'm recording the pod here. My mom's in Hawaii, so she'll be up for a while. She's three hours ahead of me. No, behind me. It's 542 for her. So I feel like the 49ers have that ability to look at that game for what it was and said, yes, the scoreboard looks horrible. Yes, that fourth quarter was horrible. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, yes, that entire game was horrible. But there are a few moments in there that if they would have played it better, the game would have been a lot tighter, would have been a lot more interesting. The team would have had a chance. And that's, to me, how you bounce back. Say, look, all right, that was bad, but we could easily fix it. Let's move on. And going up against the Rams is just a perfect way to, to do that. You know, like, the 40, one, the 49ers have had a lot of success against the Rams. Two, the 49ers have owned the Rams, you know. So... It's it's a now here's the part that makes me pause is yes you can, it seems like it'll be easy to bounce back I know I'm kind of stumbling on my words here but it's also a very uh, yeah, best way to say it, it's a must win game for the 49ers but we'll we'll get to that 49ers have found a way to beat the Rams seven times in a row now there is another little loss sprinkled in there that we have to, you know, talk about. Everybody loves to talk about how well the 49ers have done against the Rams in the regular season. But I mean, you still have an NFC championship loss sprinkled right in there from last year. So that's cool that they've beaten the Rams over and over, but the Rams have that one win that really matters. But the 49ers were the last team to win when the two met up. I mean, the last time the 49ers met the Rams, the 49ers handled the Rams. Beat him 24-9. to Had the Rams' offense number. I mean, the Rams' drives went field goal, punt, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, interception, fumble, game's over. I mean, that is having a team's number right there. The Rams didn't even get into the end zone. 
So in terms of one, facing an opponent that, that gives you confidence, and two, facing an opponent that will, will bring no short of energy, then I feel like this is kind of a perfect week for the 49ers to get shit on track. But at the same time, it has the possibility to be <laughs> a, a precipice, a, a fall off a cliff. You know, if the four, if things don't go the 49ers way, but we'll get there. Let's let's work our way through this. Let's talk about where the 49ers are at right now, how they're looking like they're going into the game. Now, the first thing we've got to cover there is the 49ers injuries, which continue to tail the tail with this team. I don't get it. I don't understand why Kyle Shanahan's version of the 49ers has just been so damn injured. I mean, it, it just seems like, is there no other way? Like they're. There are teams out there that are relatively healthy, that are doing well. You know, Fox Sports puts out that little graphic, it seems like, every week. I don't know if they've done it this week. And you get to see that not only are the 49ers the most unhealthy team in the league, but there are also teams out there that are dramatically more healthy. So it's like, what do the 49ers have to do to be among the teams that are more healthy. <laughs> You've got uh, the the last one that I've got on my Twitter account, the Philadelphia out of 100 in terms of this banged up score rating. The the Philadelphia is a 90 out of 100. So they're they're almost they're almost almost perfect. Jacksonville 87, Chicago 84, Kansas City 84, Minnesota 83.5, Green Bay 81. And then you've got the 49ers all the way at 32nd. With a 60.4. Like, why is that always the case? I need some serious medical experts to give us their detailed answer on why the 49ers are always so injured. At the, I mean, at, at some point, you want to say it's bad luck, but at this point, it's just clinical and it happens every year. And I, I would really love to know why. But that is where it starts for the 49ers currently. Let's go through the list. These are all the players that did not practice in Thursday's practice. Defensive lineman Eric Armstead. Defensive lineman Samson Ibukam. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw. Wide receiver Juwan Jennings. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Wide receiver Debo Samuel. Tackle Trent Williams. Uh, and then cornerback Jason Verrett was limited. He's returning to practice. We'll see where that fits into the game's narrative. And Jimmy Ward practiced in full. Obviously, playing with that broken hand. Jimmy Warren's an interesting story right now. He's, he played a little bit of uh, nickel corner against the Chiefs. I don't know how he did in particular. I don't think I have my Pro Football Focus login on this computer. But I'm typing it in right now because I would like to know how Jimmy Ward, who played a lot of nickel, holy smokes, Jimmy Ward's Pro Football. Focus grade is not good, but that might be solely based on the last game. I don't know, but right now he's got a 42.0, which is essentially failing. But it, it, that's neither here nor there. So Jimmy Jimmy Ward, is, it, it, despite the fact that he's an excellent free safety, uh, had to kind of kind of suck it up because the 49ers were down a nickel cornerback. You know, they're shifting things around because of the Emmanuel Mosley injury. Everybody's talking about the fact that Jimmy Ward wants to play exclusively at safety. Jimmy, you know, it's it's all over the place. But 
at least he's back at practice. At least he's on the field. Jimmy Ward has always seemed to stand out against the Rams, so that's a good sign. But again, a massive list of players not playing. Now, Trent Williams was listed as rest. He is still still back from that high ankle sprain, came back pretty quick. Seemed okay against the Chiefs, although he did allow the sack that got the 49 or that got the Chiefs the safety for the 49ers. Um there's some names in there we got to talk about. Obviously, leading the way is wide receiver Debo Samuel. And if there's anybody on this offense that creates ripple effects when they're out, it's Debo. You're t- and, and, and I've said this before, in terms of receiver, I think you could make an argument that Brandon Ayuk is just as dynamic as a receiver. You know, and there's even ways where I don't even believe myself saying that in terms of like throwing Debo a slant and just watching him go to work. But in terms of route running, getting open, hands, Brandon Ayuk has a lot of, of aspects of his game that I would say are better than Debo Samuel. Obviously, Debo Samuel's the, the better playmaker. He's more, much more of the, the gears that make this offense turn. So Debo missing practice is going to have a lot of ripple effects. And like, you know, he's missing practice with a hamstring injury. Debo Samuel struggled with hamstring injuries in the past. Hamstring injuries, if mistreated or forced onto the field too early, can lead to some serious missed time. You know, you if you if you strain your hamstring bad, you could miss two months. You know, it it really can be that bad. And you're risking full on tears. So It would behoove the 49ers to be very careful with what they do with Debo Samuel. Now, considering what Debo Samuel did to the Rams last time they played, I mean, of course, if you can get him on the field, you want him on the field. You're talking about six catches on seven targets for 115 yards and a touchdown. His longest play was 57 yards. He also added in a couple of carries. And he wrote the signature play where... He caught that quick slant and took it all the way to the house and ran right, right, right by Jalen Ramsey. And that was kind of the highlight play. That was the play that the Rams had probably seen more than enough of. They don't want to see that play anymore. I mean, you had like Mike McGlinchey pointing at Jalen Ramsey. It was receivers blocking 40 yards downfield. It was a great play for the 49ers, but it was an embarrassing one for the Rams. And I guarantee you, that they have played that in their meetings a few times this week just to just add a little bit more fuel to the fire. Let me take a quick uh, a quick mute to uh, clear my nose real quick. Hey, we're, we're live on Striking Gold. I'm not going to tell Tyler to edit that out. Yeah, I muted myself, but I'm just saying, like, you guys are here with me. I'm not going to mute me needing to blow my nose just so just to eliminate a, a little bit of two-second awkwardness. Y'all can just be here and, 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 and embrace that awkwardness with me, okay? Anyways, along with Debo Samuel, you've got Juwan Jennings out, which leaves the 49. And, and I can't – I don't want to get to Juwan Jennings before I mention Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, there there is probably an argument to be made that Kyle Juszczyk Kyle being out could be more – influential in Kyle Shanahan's decision-making than Debo Samuel. Like, there's a reason Kyle Juszczyk has paid what he's paid for a fullback. There's a reason he's been on this team every year since Kyle Shanahan got here. There's a reason the 49ers wouldn't let him go when he hit free agency. 
You know, there's a reason that Kyle Yushek was emotional at even the thought of leaving this team. That dude is an offensive centerpiece. He's a cornerstone. And if you know what a cornerstone is, that's Kyle Yushek's job. He holds a lot of this shit together. And him, uh, he just had surgery on his uh, a finger, I believe, that was messed up against the Chiefs. Uh, he is not expected to play against the Rams. But it doesn't seem super serious, like his absence will be extended. But not having a guy like Kyle Juszczyk against the Rams, where the 49ers have had so much success running the ball and grinding that game out. And it's just, you know, that that is a huge loss. If you created a short list of players, like the top five players that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to lose in and, and, and any given week, Kyle Juszczyk's going to be on that list. Okay, You can fill out the rest of the list how you want. But both Debo, Debo and Juszczyk are going to be on that list, and they're both out for this game. Well, Debo Samuel could play, but I would be willing to bet that like the Falcons game with Nick Bosa, uh, the 49ers are probably going to err on the side of caution and let Debo Samuel sit. Now, I mean, that leaves Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and if Juwan Jennings is not practicing, then you know your starting receivers are Brandon Ayuk and Ray-Mary McLeod. If you're going by the amount of touches and targets players have had, you've got Danny Gray, but I don't think they trust him more than Ray Ray McLeod. You've got George Kittle, but I was just talking receivers. So there's a ripple effect of Debo Samuel being out here. And, you know, obviously, Juwan Jennings adds another ripple in there. Kyle Juszczyk adds a significant ripple in there. But there's a chance, despite the fact that the 49ers offense looked pretty damn inconsistent against the Chiefs, which and the Chiefs do not have a great defense, they could look equally inconsistent against the Rams just based on these absences and trying to, you know, adapt to to those types of losses. I mean, just the idea of this offense operating without Debo Samuel and Kyle Juszczyk, that's just kind of a scary, scary prospect. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So as much as I want to say that adding Christian McCaffrey to the mix will give the offense just a new new dynamic, it may be a week too early for that because of these injuries. And, and I don't even know when the 49ers are getting used checked back. But what that does is, is, is probably some of you guys are already thinking it is that takes a, that puts a lot of pressure on Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey, if there's a player that could handle a lot of the things Debo does. And we all know there's only one Debo Samuel, and you could talk about finding another Debo Samuel all you want. Probably ain't going to happen. But if there's a player on this team that can replicate that kind of role, it's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, I'll get into Christian McCaffrey a little more in a little bit, but more on kind of like the Debo situation. You know, with Debo having that highlight play, you have to wonder, and and then not getting to play in this game, there's a, there's going to be a lot of 49ers that are taking it in the chin from a Rams team that's pissed about what Debo and that team did and all the highlights it created on, on social media. But then Debo's probably not going to be in the game. So yeah, I feel like this is going to be a chippy, chippy game. And they all are, though, right? I mean, it's an NFC West game. It's a, it's a very heated rivalry. The 49ers-Rams rivalry has certainly surpassed the 49ers-Seahawks rivalry. And it could get interesting out there. You know, I feel like if the, the Rams have some success early, they are going to let the 49ers hear about it. But that's ball. That's football. And, and that's nothing. You know, and then you got to easing our way into the McCaffrey thing. You got two the two teams that are going to be facing each other on Sunday are the two teams that are said to be the most in the running for Christian McCaffrey. We found out today via Adam Schefter that. The Rams offered their discarded running back Cam Akers and three draft picks for Christian McCaffrey. And the Panthers decided to take the four picks that the 49ers were offering for McCaffrey instead. So you're talking about the two teams that were bidding the most for Christian McCaffrey facing each other. And then Christian McCaffrey needing to rise to the to the occasion to replace the injured Debo Samuel and his impact that he would Debo would normally have on this game and like it just gets interesting really fast you the 49ers outbid the Rams for McCaffrey and now McCaffrey's got to play a huge role to replace Debo and Debo talked all that shit the last time they played and the 49ers really enjoyed how bad they beat the Rams so the Rams are going to come in with the chip on their shoulder it's going to be an interesting game and it's one that the 49ers, I mean, I'll get we'll talk about it, but I feel like they gotta have in terms of their standing in this in the league, in the division, in the NFC. It's crazy. Now that, that takes us to our expectations for Christian McCaffrey, because by all intents and purposes, this is going to be the fully fleshed out and unleashed Christian McCaffrey. Now, I don't think that Christian McCaffrey can necessarily learn 
Kyle Shanahan's playbook in even a week and a half, which is what he's had now. But he looked pretty damn good in that last game after only having a couple days to learn what he learned. And he played a decent amount of snaps. Um, let's get in here and look. Let's look. I, I don't have the snap count. But Christian McCaffrey still had eight carries for 38 yards. And he still had two catches for 24 yards. And that was with two days notice on on how to you know how to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. But I do believe we will see a much more realistic representation of what Christian McCaffrey means to this offense. And I think a lot of McCaffrey's impact falls on Kyle Shanahan because in the same way Debo Samuel has risen to stardom, it seems like if if Christian McCaffrey is going to have the impact the 49ers wanted him to have when they traded for him, it's going to be up to Kyle Shanahan. And that seems so obvious. Let's, let's, get, an, let's get another clear real quick. That seems so obvious that, hey, Kyle Shanahan's going to have an impact on how well Christian McCaffrey does. Like, yeah, sure, Rob. But is anybody at full confidence in Kyle Shanahan right now? I'm like sitting here acting like I can hear your guys' answers. But for real, does, does anybody have full confidence in Kyle Shanahan's ability right now? It just seems like he's had a rough season as a head coach this year, and he's had an equally rough season as a play caller and as an, an offensive genius, as he's commonly toted to be. So you're going to trade all these picks for a running back, but you better have a damn good script written up to take advantage of his skill set. Because, I mean, can Kyle Shanahan take this dynamic playmaker that's just stepped into this offense? I mean, I don't think many people quite realize just how good Christian McCaffrey is. I mean, he's been in the league since 2017. Last couple years, he struggled with injuries. And so I think a lot of people were ready to write him off. But, I mean, you have to go back and look at Christian McCaffrey's sophomore and junior seasons in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about some truly incredible football being played by this guy. In 2019, Christian McCaffrey had just under 1,400 yards rushing, averaged 4.8 yards per carry, and scored 15 touchdowns. Now, if you just left it there, you would be like, damn, that's a running back right there. If you just left it there. And then you have to add in the fact that on top of a 1,400-yard, 15-touchdown season, McCaffrey also added 116 catches and 1,005 yards. I believe he's like the third player in NFL history to do the the 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving a certain 49ers running back I, I believe is also on that list but i mean do people realize just how good Christian McCaffrey is or is it just like a fantasy thing where they're like oh Christian McCaffrey's really good at at at, at fan- he's a really good fantasy running back but it, it's it's an odd dynamic like i you just he, see people comment on i believe it's Roger Craig right was it Roger Craig that did the the thousand thousand? I don't have all his stats. Maybe they're right in front of me. I'm trying to find what year he did it. Yeah, there it is. Roger Craig, nineteen eighty five, the year I was born. 
a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. Wow. So Christian McCaffrey stepping into some history, but I, I just wonder if if people realize just how insane that is to have a fourteen hundred yard season on the ground and a one thousand yard ceiling season in through the air, and then the season before that he had eleven hundred yards rushing and eight hundred and sixty seven through the air. He almost did it in back to back seasons. Over two over those two years combined. That's 2,500 yards rushing and almost 2,000 receiving. 1,890 or, or excuse me, 1,900-ish, right underneath that. Like, that is unbelievable. So you're, you're taking this player. That, and yeah, like I said, it, you know, this is his fifth year in the league. He's had a couple years of, of injuries. But you watch McCaffrey move this year and against the 49ers and for the 49ers against the Chiefs, he doesn't look like he's had any issues at all. You know, the one weird plus side of, of losing games due to injury is your body's recovering everywhere else. Now, I'm sure that's a lot easier said than done in terms of how you come back from injury, but, you know, everything else is recovering. All the little kinks, all the little bruises, all the little strains, all the little breaks or, where, you know, whatever you've got. You get a chance to rest those. And maybe there's, you know, there's a there's a Christian McCaffrey right now ready, primed for just this massive impact. And that falls on Kyle Shanahan to give something like that. Now, the 49ers have the benefit of not needing him to be that. They don't need him to be a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver. They don't need him to be Roger Craig. They need him to be the dynamic playmaker that he's always been when they need him. And that, to me, falls on Kyle Shanahan. Christian McCaffrey is ready to go. We've seen what he can do. Is Kyle Shanahan going to be able to take advantage of what Christian McCaffrey can do against the team that was also bidding for him, against a team that's decent against the run? And to me, like if you want Jimmy Garoppolo to start gaining a little bit of confidence, and it doesn't necessarily seem like he's had a full-on confidence issue, but the offense is just so inconsistent. And when things get tough, tell him to throw it to Christian McCaffrey, especially with Debo Samuel out. Again, you've just got this Formula One car. You've just picked up a Red Bull and inserted it into the offense. Now, if you don't put a Max Verstappen in the wheel, does that Red Bull even matter? You know, that's my best Formula One example I can give you. Kyle Shanahan has got to make sure that he is the Max Verstappen of that Red Bull, and he fires that thing off and makes him truly take this offense to another level. Because if he's just another running back in a Kyle Shanahan offense and shit doesn't change based on his skill set, then what were all the picks for and what was the point? Just pick up another guy off the streets and put him in the offense and make him look decent, which is what Kyle's always been doing. But you put a Christian McCaffrey in this offense, you better have a plan for allowing him to take your offense to the next level. And again, it doesn't have to be how Christian McCaffrey was used earlier in his career. It just has to be what the 49ers need at any given moment. Allow this man to bail Jimmy Garoppolo out. Please allow him to to be an option almost every play, like every third read, if Christian McCaffrey wasn't one of the first two reads, he should be the third type of deal. Allow him to be a part of every play and really put that stress on a defense. And maybe I'm talking it up too much. Maybe I've I've just got this 
bloated vision of what Christian McCaffrey is in my head, but I don't see, I see a player that's still very much capable of producing at the same level that he's ever produced. Did I click out of my Christian McCaffrey stats? Oh, because I wanted to see how he was doing this year. I, I mean, it would be too, I'd have to spend too much time if I wanted to like extrapolate his year out and like what kind of pace he was on this year. But in terms of this year for Christian McCaffrey, you've got 431 yards rushing on 93 attempts. That's 4.6 yards per carry. That's a, that's holding up to the average he's established throughout his career. And he's got 35 catches for 300 yards. And that's in six games. So let's just easy, very easy math. Not really correct. A little bit short. Uh, that was in seven games. Let's, I mean, I'd be multiplying everything by like uh, one and a half times, essentially, if if to go to the se- end of the season. So you'd be looking at right around 1,000 yards rushing, and you'd be looking at right around 800 yards. Yeah, you're talking, the pace that Christian McCaffrey's on right now is almost 1,000 yards rushing right around there. And right underneath, about 800 yards receiving, which is still a massive. That's right, almost. That's almost the season he had in 2018. So again, let me calm down. Let me take a step back. Take advantage of the Red Bull, Coach. Take advantage of the Red Bull, please. Let it let it fly. Now, the obvious in this whole scenario is this is a divisional matchup. And the division is like wide open. It, every team is just every team is just okay. The 49ers, three and four. You know, geez, how did how did we get here? This 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 49ers of ours. Three and four. Arizona Cardinals, three and four. Los Angeles Rams, three and three. Seattle Seahawks, four and three. 49ers pounded the Seahawks and pounded the Rams. And now they're facing the Rams again. Now, in comparison to the rest of the NFL, maybe the 49ers are mediocre and you know, in the grand scheme of things. And you're comparing them to the six and one Giants, six and oh Eagles, five and two Cowboys, five and one Vikings. You know, in the NFC, the 49ers are middle of the barrel. But in the NFC West, they they have a chance. And they've got the best divisional record. They're two and oh. Seahawks 1 and 1, Rams 1 and 1, Cardinals 0 and 2. So right now, the key to a a a, a run slash a surprise entry into the playoffs when anything can happen is this these divisional matchups. If the 49ers lose this game against the Rams, they are last place in the NFC West. They are last place in the NFC West. They'd be 3 and 5. Now, Obviously, that depends on what the Cardinals do. But the 49ers would be in last place. Cardinals are about to face, you know, in terms of like the the um, the combustible nature of the NFC West, just look at the Cardinals' schedule over the next three weeks. They're facing the Vikings, 5-1 and one Vikings, um, at Minnesota. Now, I mean, I, the Vikings are definitely favored in that matchup, but nobody would be shocked if the Cardinals beat them, especially with DeAndre Hopkins back in the mix. And then week nine, the Cardinals face the Seahawks. Week 10, they face the Rams. Week 11, they face the 49ers. 
So the whole NFC West is going to be a lot more clear after those three matchups right there. That is the, uh, the matchup against the Cardinals in Mexico, by the way, for the 49ers. So the NFC West and its state division standings are going to be a hell of a lot more clear by the time we get through the week 11, essentially 11, you know, November 21st, when the 49ers face the, the Cardinals in Mexico. But divisional matchups right now are at a premium, especially against teams that the 49ers should beat. The 49ers trounced the Rams earlier in the year. They looked like easily the better team. But we're talking about a 49ers team that's now missing Kyle Juszczyk, that's now missing Debo Samuel, that doesn't have Eric Armstead, that may not have Samson Ebicom, that doesn't have Javon Kinlaw, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't have Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, this is this is a different team that faced the Rams the first time, and now you're facing a pissed off Rams because they got stunted on by Debo Samuel, and everybody had to stare at that over a week. Even that, like, think of the two different drastic mood swings in, in terms of the season outlook in ter- with this Rams game. You beat the Rams, which is always gets you fired up, and you go into the bye at four and four. Not great, not terrible, straight out of uh, Chernobyl. 3.6 Gronkin, but you can handle that. There, there's hope. You beat the Ram, you swept the Rams again. Hell yeah, we can do this. We just gotta, we just gotta figure it out. We gotta, we gotta fix a few things, and we can do this. Versus going into the bye week three and five, you just lost to the Rams, which feels terrible no matter what. You're now last place in the NFC West. You now have a two and one division record. Things just seem that much more helpless. And to me, a, a three and five team going into the bye week is a shitty team. Like, you're, at the very least, you're not good. And for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations at the start of the year, going into a bye week three and five, you're not a Super Bowl team that you thought you were. You're a bad football team, and now you have to pull off a miracle that they same stuff they had to do last year with that run just to give yourself a chance, including sweeping the Seahawks and sweeping the Cardinals after you just lost to the Rams. So it's just, man, like, are the 49ers already backed into a corner? Do we feel like that? Are, I mean, the 49ers are three and four. Going into the bye week four and four with a three and zero division record, I think we can save the backed into the corner talk. I think, I mean, I still feel like in my heart of hearts that they are. But if they lose to the Rams and go into that bye week three and five in last place in the NFC West, they are now backed into a corner and they have to go on a run of all runs to fix this. And again, when you go and look at the 49ers' schedule, it's they're not unwinnable. They're not. They're not. They're not. Impossible games, but it's tough. You would be after the bye week going up against the four and three Chargers on Sunday night football. You'd be facing off against the three and four Cardinals on Monday night football. You'd be facing off against the two and five Saints. You know, maybe that one seems a little better, but you never know with the Saints. Dolphins, Buccaneers, who have no idea who they want to be. Seahawks again, Washington, Raiders, Cardinals, like. Those are all very winnable games for the 49ers. They're also very losable games for the 49ers. And if the 49ers go into this bye week three and five, they have backed themselves into a corner and they've got to win the vast majority of those games going forward. I mean, how many games is that after the bye week? 
I mean, I guess I could just do the simple math. You know, you're, you go into the bye week three and five, you played eight games. There's 17 to play. So you're essentially nine games left. How many of those do you got to win? Eight, seven, just to get yourself up to a 10 win season. That is not easy to do in the NFL, no matter what your schedule is. So it really sets uh, sets the table for what this ma- matchup against the Rams means for the 49ers. In SoFi Stadium, will it be Levi's North again or South, excuse me? Or will it be, you know, a crowd that's a little more split, a little less favoring the 49ers? And you can just see how this can spiral out of control for the 49ers really quick if they don't find a way to bounce back against the Rams. I don't think they're going to overlook the Rams by any stretch of the imagination, you know, just because they're the Rams. It's a division matchup. Usually division opponents never overlook division opponents. That's just the way it is. You want the key to victory? You you go after Stafford. Now, the I don't know if they're going to have Sam Sinebukam. Nick Bosa's another week, uh, you know, with recovery for that groin injury. That caused him to miss the Falcons game, but Matthew Stafford just continues to throw interceptions. I believe he's thrown eight this season. Let's let's go look real quick. And and the the Rams offense, bottom third of the league, they are not playing well. It's 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 uh if you want the keys to victory, it's it's through Matthew Stafford. It's knocking Matthew Stafford off his spot, it's hitting Matthew Stafford, it's getting to Matthew Stafford consistently. But after we saw the Chiefs game. I mean, the 49ers offense, the 49ers pass rush was rendered obsolete. And yes, again, you're without Eric Armstead. That that makes a lot of that engine go. You're without Javon Kinlaw. You really have no interior pressure. So it's easier to cover for the exterior pressure that is Nick Bosa and Samson Ebukam. But is Samson Ebukam going to play? Does that put Drake Jackson in there? You know, does, did Chiefs write a little bit of the playbook in terms of dealing with Nick Bosa and basically targeting his aggressiveness and running right underneath it or running right around it? So it's it's an interesting year. Let's see what let's see what Matthew Stafford's done here. Why are these stats so weirdly written? Okay, here we go. Matthew Stafford has thrown six touchdowns and eight interceptions in six games. So there's your key right there is to continue to knock Matthew Stafford off his spot. Last time the 49ers played Stafford, he was 32 of 48, 66%, but he didn't throw a single touchdown and he threw one interception. I mean, this is the same game where Cooper cup caught 14 passes for 122 yards, but didn't score. Tyler Higby caught 10 passes for 73 yards, but didn't score. It was the weirdest Worst passing game for the Rams ever. It was it was like they had success, but at the same time had no success. And that happens when you just get off, get Matthew Stafford off of his spot. He only averaged 5.3 yards per attempt. That's because he's got to get the ball out quick. And that allows the defense to rally up on the offense. And it just keeps any big play from ever developing in terms of deep down the field. So that to me is where this game Truly lies. Now, yes, you can add the other things. Kyle Shanahan needs to to successfully implement Christian McCaffrey to the offense. Jimmy Garoppolo has to just not screw it up. Of course, we know those things. But to me, 
The onus really lies on that defensive line to have a bounce-back game after pretty much being irrelevant against the Chiefs and uh, and getting after Matthew Stafford. But, man, it, uh, again, the 49ers have found their way into crucial games in October, which is just seems like a ritual for them. It's so weird. And if they lose this one... Every game going forward is going to be must win and we'll, you know because they'll have to go on that ridiculous run that they've relied on, but we'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, I really don't know what to expect. I, I usually don't ever really offer predictions in this podcast, but I guess if I had to predict it, I'm going to predict that it's going to be closer than last time, maybe a bit more high scoring. Let's say 49ers win 31-21. That's what I'm going to go with, but... Man, it could go either way. Who knows? You're going to have a pissed off Rams team tired of seeing Debo Samuel's face, and then they come out on the field and Debo Samuel's probably not on it, and they just see Christian McCaffrey's smile. Who did really well against the Rams last week. Let me let me go find that. Where is the Rams? I guess we'll leave off with this. I'm trying to find the Rams-Panthers stats. Now, the, the Rams did beat the Panthers to the tune of 24 to 10, but Christian McCaffrey had 13 for carries for 69 yards. Nice at 5.3 yards per carry. He also had seven catches for 89 yards. So the last time the Rams faced Christian McCaffrey, he stunned it all over him, but it, it was for not because they lost the game, which is exactly what Christian McCaffrey is used to happening. Now he's on a, well, what we expected to be a good team. We'll see if they follow through. And so instead of getting their their revenge game against Debo Samuel, the the Rams will get their revenge game against Christian McCaffrey, which is kind of just a weird dynamic. Oh, all right, everybody. Damn, I am. It's uh, Thursday night. This should get to your ears Friday morning. I'm going to Las Vegas Saturday afternoon right after our middle school football game. We're going up against an opponent that kicked our ass earlier in the season. Um, but we put a lot of work in to figure them out. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. We'll see. They're a good team. And then I'm going to Las Vegas. So um, I, I should be recording from my hotel. I, I should be watching my game, and I may record a quick reaction podcast. But if it doesn't come or it's a little shorter or or you know I wait until later in the week to do it, just don't, don't judge me. Just know I'll be in Vegas celebrating uh, my early birthday. So – I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the Striking Old Podcast. Please support the pod in whatever way you can. I mean, just being here and listening to it is the ultimate form of support. Make sure you are downloading the episodes, sharing them with friends, subscribing. Uh, you know, if you if you believe in the if you believe in the pod, shoot us a, a good score on whatever app you listen to it, whether it's iTunes, 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 uh, Spotify, whatever you got. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, but you already know what it is for another week. We got to get out of here. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.